What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOCG.com, and I'm your host, Gordon Burkell, and this episode we're interviewing Udit Seja. Now, he's a sound designer and a composer who's worked for a experimental film that's pretty popular right now called America, as well as a show on Hulu called All Light Everywhere. And so we sit down to discuss his work and how he tackles composing music with sound uh, and sound design. With all that said, here's my interview with Udit. How do you like to approach a project when you first come on? How do you sort of figure out what the sound or the approach to your sound is going to be? I mean, every project starts with a lot of conversations. Um, I see myself as a collaborator and, you know, I want to know exactly what's going on in the storyteller's, you know, head or what 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 is their vision with the project? What is what What are they trying to say? And then, you know, have a lot of conversations, really. And if it depends on what stage of project I sort of join in. Mm-hmm. If I am joining, like, sort of getting the project very early on, which is just first draft of the script, uh, you know, ideally, that that's the point I would want to get involved in. Sometimes if I'm just doing the post-production, people, you know, uh, approach you uh, after they've shot and, you know, while they're editing, which is also a very good spot to join because, you know, on the edit table, this script is sort of getting rewritten. A lot of conversations, lots of sort of understanding the story, understanding the motive of the story, and then finding ways to interpret that in sound. And that this could sort of vary from, you know, working on a documentary film to a mid-size Indian film to a experimental film like America. Depends, you sort of take this route, whichever route you want to take, and then you sort of stick to it. Well, and I found with like America, you did the sound design and the music, and you have this interesting approach of the intersect of the two. What is it about that area of doing the sound design as well as the music or sort of having the two play off each other that you, you take in? to account for america i didn't do the entire music there was a couple of pieces by trevor matheson so yeah we sort of built it up together really mm-hmm. uh i trevor's trevor was on the project before and then i got the got his sort of stems and then i you know me and the director arranged it in a way with the sound design coming in and then there were these gaps on the on the piece there were these gaps which we were you know we were looking to fill it up with more sound but then uh, yeah, I just instinctively went towards the musical side of things just to match, you know, what's happening on the screen. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, you can say I was the co-composer on the project. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, the the intersection of sound and music is some sort of a language I have developed over the years, uh, working through working through many uh, experimental films or with artist filmmakers. I mean, it's a very interesting blurred line between what is sound and what is music, mm-hmm. which I'm very interested to investigate and sort of find out how can you make it completely seamless. So we, you on a project, when you're watching it, you don't know what is sound and what is what is music. It's almost taking a compositional approach to build sound design. Mm-hmm. That's how I sort of start. And then it automatically starts, it, it starts to sound like music. It starts to sound like composed so my approach is all, always using sort of natural organic sounds in a compositional way. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of tend to approach these projects. And if there's like some sort of scope to add some more tonal stuff, then, you know, I throw in some stretched out piano notes or stretched out telephone bells, which 
has this musical quality, but it's essentially looking through the lens of sound in a compositional way. And then the sort of lines gets, you know, starts getting blurred. It's not traditional music, what I do. It's not, you know, written score sheet music where I, you know, get hire uh, a hundred piece orchestra and they're sort of recording it. I mean, I would love to do that, but I would ask them to do something else where like, you know, just like hit the, <laughs> but it's this, yeah. I mean, it's, I just find it really interesting how you can quickly go into the uh, sort of musical side of things using sound, which is also music in some ways, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sound is also very visual at the same time. Yeah. Obviously, it's not visual, but it's visual in its essence. And that's what I feel it, it sort of encompasses music and visuals. It sort of communicates that very easily using just using, you know, a few com- composed, edited, strung together sounds on, of, for, from the natural environment or a bit of synthesis involved. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the approach I have. When you get into the room, do you start with the sound effects and then start to build out into the music? Or do you go music and then start to build into the sound effects? Start with the sound effects, you know. Start with, like, sort of throwing in some natural sounds accompanied with some radio crackle underneath, Mm -hmm. you know, for instance. So you start to imagine, you start to create the environment around the film. It depends, obviously depends if it's a traditional narrative film or a different sort of film. But I mean, specifically talking about America, because the piece allowed me to do that, we wanted to evoke memories. We wanted to sort of reimagine the past uh, of the black cinema. And so the whole idea is, you know, so I kind of had this palette. Look, it's about memory. It's about past and what's happening on the screen, like the sync sounds, Mm -hmm. uh, like the foliage sounds. So I look at it like horizontal sounds which are more environmental mm-hmm. and more vertical sounds, which are sort of, they come and go. So it's a very, approach is very like sound effects, but in a very environmental way. And then you start to find the rhythm. You start to find, as the process evolves, you start to find a compositional structure in it. And it's very architectural, you know, almost like you're building a building. <laughs> it's basically through, start with, you know, start with horizontal layers, then come to the vertical layers, then sort of mix and match, and then make it into a structure. Yeah. Uh, and in the end, the purpose is to tell the story. In the end, the purpose is to e- elevate the visual phenomena, which it is, and, you know, give it the immersive experience and mm-hmm. and sort of challenge the singularity of the 2D visuals, sort of seep it with the 3D sounds, you know. Uh, so that's, that's the approach on, you know, I try to uh, do this on traditional sort of narrative films as well, mm-hmm. where there are certain moments you get to sort of, you know, when there's montages or a VFX heavy scene or, you know, just like one of those going into characters head scenes you can play with the compositional side of sound design which is i'm really interested in and then if if it requires instinctively you know you add a bit of musical things to it you know i uh, on america i had recorded this piano uh which i used it like pushed it down and stretched it which just sort of mm-hmm. became the monotonous sound of the whole piece it's just the process which is you know the process is composition Essentially, yeah. that's what I want to uh, investigate. And I want to, uh, through my work, I want to find find more possibilities of using sound as a compositional tool with all of the other elements, which is dialogue and the Foley and, you know, all the storytelling elements in it as well. Um, when you get into something like a movie or a show for, you know, Hulu, there might be more restrictions because America is more of an experimental project. What do you take from your experimental work 
into projects like All Light Everywhere or your work for Netflix mm. and what have you. It's amazing how much I can take from these experimental projects. And I, when I present it to sort of filmmaker or the director, the producers, some montages which has this sort of scope to add a lot of low frequency and you know mm-hmm. have this atmospheric approach to sound design they immediately they immediately respond to it very positively sometimes when you tread this sort of com- compositional line especially adding some musical sounds mm-hmm. it has often you know come back and said you know well look the, we have already music there it's going to clash you know sometimes there are there are cues which I'm also marking with some tonal stuff and the composer also marking with the composer uh, compositions so when it comes to the mix sometimes I I will use an element of my musical stuff with mm-hmm. the composer's music uh but overall the experimentation whatever I've done on artist films it definitely works you know it it does carry on in some way uh which uh, which which uh, gets a positive response how do you deal with temp love because that's one thing as an editor putting in a sound, I'm like, I know the director's going to hold on to this now. And that seems to be the bane of all composers' existence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a sound designer, we they have these sounds yeah. in Tempt, which is like a bad recording of a door, but they're just in love with that door. And then as soon as you sort of change it, you're just like, what? why did you change that door? Well, it's part of the radio mic sound, you know, it's recorded yeah. on the set. It's not really adding to the depth. But yeah, I mean, it's it's very tricky. I mean, I often like to feed sounds or drones or sort of tonal stuff, you know, sort of borderline music and sound design stuff to the editors mm-hmm. when they're editing. If I'm if I am starting the project while they're editing, I would oh whether it was just about to start edit, I would feed but the sounds to the editor. I have done this through my experiment, uh, sort of uh, the artist film film stuff with John Comfrey, where that is anyway that he edits sound and music, uh, sound and visuals together to make a story. But like you know, on traditional narratives like All Light Everywhere as well, you know, just sort of hand them sounds so that they start getting used to it, make atmospheres, you know, make some beds. It's definitely the temp. If someone's married to it, and it sort of comes to us, it's it's just it's it's hard. You have to keep sending them a lot of versions of your own stuff so that mm-hmm. they start forgetting it and they start realizing this. The focus starts shifting automatically. You know, they start to realize the depth you're creating with audio. It's like managing the client almost. Look, yeah. here's the here's the better stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, hats off to editors as well. I mean, they they find they find the right cue points for us. For the yeah. sound designers to tell the story, okay, here's an off-screen sound. It has to come right here between these two lines, and this is gonna just literally enhance the whole scene, yeah. which is very important, I guess, in, on the edit table. That's what I believe. Sound design begins on the edit table. <laughs> There's been times in the edit suite where I'm just like, oh, I've got my iPhone, and I'll just quickly record something. Here's the squeaky chair, and I'm just like, and then like. The poor sound designers like, where'd you get the squeaky chair? Because they want, it and it's just a terrible recording. Uh, it's also the speakers, you know, because on edit rooms you don't have sort of some. It's just yeah. like stereo kept like really far apart sometimes, yeah. uh, which they they listen to it in a room which sort of has an echo. It's not acoustically fabricated, so it, they start to in, sort of get used to that sound, and you have to. Um, when they come into the studio, there's suddenly everything just changes. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, everything is too clean now. So you, you have to start adding the dirt, you know. Uh, yeah. But the temp guide track is often very, you know, very important for me. I mean, I listen to it as I'm designing the stuff and sort of understanding the motive. Okay, you know, why exactly they have used this water sound here 
in the background. Maybe mm-hmm. they want bigger river. Maybe you sort of have to gauge their ideas, and and you need with with sound design, you sort of add scale to it. You know, that's what I believe in. The ideas are made up in the edit on the edit table, and then you add scale to it. You add more depth to it, and which okay. is what I really. Now enjoy. you're saying on the edit table. Did you start when we were working on film still? Uh, Back in the days? No. Okay, so you didn't no. have to like do real to real tape. No, 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 no. I mean, I, you know, I would, as much as I've read about it, yeah. and, you know, the t- tape music sort of, and you know how they did it, it was so. I mean, they had to be very sure of what they're yeah. doing. I think they had to be very sure of this is the sound we want, and there's no messing about. And uh, now, as we have so many options, you just like yeah. go, when I talk you? to young editors, I'm always like, yeah, we if we wanted to fade, we had to send it out. <laughs> like we had to like send it out for two days. And I remember I said that to a sound designer, and he was like. If they didn't have the budget for a fade and sound, we'd pull out a razor blade and just scrape it slowly. I was like, you'd have to be very, very specific. Right. <laughs> yeah, doing. yeah, like with good with your hands and, you know, yeah. like sort of, oh, I'm very sure this is the fade and it's going to like fade out with the film at the right point. Uh, so there was no messing about, you know. Yeah. Nowadays, you have the liberty of like, okay, throw in some sounds. Oh, not working, just delete it. Earlier, you every little sound, you know, I mean, still, I mean, I, I sort of have this approach myself as well. Like, I want to use very specific sounds on my projects, which are not adding noise, which are, you know, very minimal as well. Well, I mean, minimal in terms of not the amount of sounds I add in, but just it has to convey the story. Every sound has to make sense Yeah. on a project. Every sound needs to be self-conscious. Now, on something like All Light Everywhere, a documentary... When you first get that footage, because documentaries go through such large overhaul, right? Like it's constantly changing. The story's being figured out in post. How do you create a composition for it or work on it in some capacity when you know that they're still figuring out the story? All Light Everywhere specifically came to me when it was sort of 90% locked. They were working with a composer, Dan Deacon, who's mm-hmm. the composer of the project. So they they had some musical ideas already, you know, which they were editing to. So there was no temp, you know, music. So Dan mm-hmm. was working alongside the edit and then giving his stems to Theo, Theo Anthony, the director. And then he was uh, basically playing with the stems. And Dan had allowed Theo to sort of just move around his stems and, you know, mute a couple of them. So the tone of the film, the sound, mm-hmm. the sort of the scape of the film was set. But what was missing was the scale and the depth when it came to me. The dialogue was was very noisy at points. You know, it was like five mics, or whatever, not five mics, a couple of mics playing, was rustling. You know, the, the, we had to go, go do a proper dialogue edit, but also add, enhance the reality because there was a lot. The film uh, deals with surveillance technology weapons and it, and it give, gives us an historical context of the, you know, by using mm-hmm. archive images, voiceovers and music. So when I got the cut for All Light Everywhere, it was already it, the sound, the tone of the film was set uh, with the score. And then I, my job was to sort of add the little sounds, the minimal sounds on, on the films. Like there were a lot of shots of the sort of close CCTV cameras. My, my job was to sort of contextualize those little objects you saw with some, some sound uh, and add a lot of depth, add a lot of scale to the, you know, with the camera movement as well and the 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 whole visual landscape was contextualized by big room tones and Mm. off-screen mouse clicks and you know when it 
cut to the archive images with the voiceover going on. We just wanted to use a very, very tiny sort of archival sounds as if you were sitting in an old library. The approach was uh, just enhance this idea of someone's always observing you through sound, uh, sort of recontextualize this space, which which is which is like a sci-fi documentary, but you know because it's it's crafted like that. There are, there are bits which are like corporate video style scenes, and then mm -hmm. it cuts to like archive, which is you know there's a voiceover. So my job was to sort of make that whole experience very seamless, and in with the mix and the sound design and sound editing. So yeah. Uh, that that was the sort of the broad approach. <laughs> now I have one last question I'd like to ask everyone I interview. What would you say is your favorite guilty pleasure film to watch? You know, these days it's just like I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stupid YouTube stuff, and on Instagram yeah. there's like you know all this like constant sc scrolling, which yeah. <laughs> uh, which happens. But yeah, film-wise, anything, yeah, anything sort of like action is yeah. you know like Die Hard. Oh, that's like, a great one. Like, like, a, like a speed or something. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, if it's on in the background, you know, that there's, there's probably chances that I'm just gonna like just keep watching it. It just take, take me back to the '90s childhood. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's like that. this someone whoever did the sound design. <laughs> my friend and I, since it came out, we we'd always joke about this part. But like at the start of Speed, they pulled everyone out of the elevators. And right. they all start running because the bomb's going to go. And this one woman's shoe fell off and she keeps running. And she's like, my shoe. <laughs> but it's like little in the distance. <laughs> and we were just like, what a weird, like, who would even be thinking about that at that moment yeah, in time? The, those crowd recordings are sometimes very, you know, very hilarious. Uh, yeah. There was one time we were recording for a for an independent British film here. Uh, yeah. And it was... Uh, we so one of the guys had to act and they was getting shot. So in the scene, it's getting shot. So you have to say, okay, you've been shot now. Just go, ow, ow, leg, ow. You know, <laughs> <laughs> can't use this. But it's really, it's literally you have to perform in front of the mic. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite funny. Yeah, those well, moments. Th thank you so much for letting me interview you today. Thank you so much. No, it's All been right. a pleasure. And, yeah. and thanks for your questions. And have a good week. So that was my interview with Udette. I'd like to thank him for joining me, and I'd also like to thank Evan Winch for cutting this episode. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.